spoiler alert, the films we review on the Slashers and Screamers podcast are guaranteed to be spoiled in full if you listen beyond this point. If you've not seen the film we're reviewing this week, I urge you to find it and watch it to your heart's content before joining us. But if you don't care and just want to listen to fun conversations, then by all means, stick around for Slashers and Screamers. Groovy. It's just a creepy movie. It definitely creeps you out for sure. Somebody has to be perfect, so it might as well be. Talk about deja vu. You live to tell the tale. You gotta think like a werewolf. Is the Slashers and Screamers podcast. Alright, we are back for another brand new edition of the Slashers and Screamers podcast. I am, of course, Billy Graves, so let's not waste any time, y'all. Let me get my co-host in here, because I can't do it without him. I won't, I can't, I shan't. The Godfather of Droll James. Welcome back, my guy. What's up? You know, hey man, we've been out for a couple weeks now. We're rested up. Or at least I, I feel rested. Do you feel rested, James? Not really, but you Fantastic. Well, we had a couple good weeks, though. We've, we've done some stuff, right? Went to yeah. Smackdown. You came over yeah. to watch the Royal Rumble. I did do all that, Bill. Yeah, I can see how it would wear you down. You insulted my my salsa. I remember that happening. That wore me down a little bit. I got a carbon monoxide poisoning, Bill. Right now? From cooking this hibachi. Oh, what kind of... uh, What'd you put in your hibachi, man? Chicken. Steak. Uh... Zucchini, onions, squash, okay, and rice. Okay, see, I do it a little bit different. I don't do the onions. I do zucchini. I don't do squash. I do broccoli, and I do mushrooms. And then I do, like, a meat or two. Usually mixed with shrimp, though. You didn't put any shrimp in? You're a shrimp kind of guy. Why didn't you use shrimp? Because I didn't want to use no shrimp, Bill. That's a good enough reason. And I forgot to thaw it out. Okay, so there's the there's the real reason. Got for the next adventure, some scallops. Okay, so you're doing your uh, your your leftover meats today, and then your bougie meats next time. I got it. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, that's right. Well, let's get Final Girl Casey in here. I know you've been chomping at the bit to get this podcast back up and running so welcome chomping at the bit but not chomping on scallops because i will die oh so you got them you got them allergies huh yeah so what happens break that down for me not to get into your medical history here but what happens (laughs) you take a big old you accidentally take a big old bite of scallops what is step Um, number one so, the first time I had a scallop, 
my tongue swelled and I threw up a lot. And then since then, I've never gotten like a full bite of it. It was either in something or contaminated something next to it. Um, and basically my throat swells up. Okay. I, I guess that makes sense and uh-huh. because it's, uh, I don't have any allergies like that. I, I think, I think my son, my younger son has some kind of allergy that we've never pinpointed because he's like broken out into hives, but he's never had like his throat swell up. So I guess that's pretty common though for shellfish people, right? That the, the first thing is the tongue and the throat. To my knowledge, I'm not allergic to other shellfish, though, because I've never had an issue with any of them, just scallops. Huh. Okay, see, it's starting to get a little bit fishy. Sounds like <laughs> me, like when, when I was little, I'm going to tell you this, when I was little, my parents would like maybe stop and get me a Happy Meal or something, and there would be mustard on it, and yeah. I, I think, you know, my history with mustard has been well documented. I don't like it. I do not like it. I, I won't eat it. Um, I won't even like scrape it off and then eat it. I'll just throw it away. It's gone forever. Um, but in order to really get the point across to people who might be stopping to get me a sandwich on their way home, I might say, well, hey, make sure you don't get mustard because I'm allergic And so hoping they would fear for my life, I thought that would get, you know, the point across. So are you allergic to scallops or are you just allergic to scallops? No, they taste good. I like them. Oh. (laughs) Well, I guess there went my theory. Nope. I am allergic. Well, speaking of shrimp. (laughs) Speaking of shrimp. Let's go ahead and get our third co-host in here on the panel. We're talking about the Memphis Maniac, Rick. What's up? We're back. We are back, Rick. You specifically are back, and it's good to hear your voice. Sounds as puny as ever. Sounds better, though, because I got a new laptop, and... It's destroys my old one, and yeah, so happy about that. Well, Sounds like bragging going... camp to me. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it has commenced. The flag is up. It's almost time to go skinny dipping. Camp is in session. <laughs> and I'm in school. And school started in January, late. so. Yeah. Oh, we get it, Rick. You're rich. It just... Let's go ahead and cut it right there. So tell me about this laptop. What, what's so damn special about this thing? You've been going on for like two weeks about it. Uh, it's just faster. And it has more, all the buttons. Bigger hard drive, more RAM. Yeah. Okay. okay. Bigger is better, I guess. And it helps your RAM when it's bigger. So that's good. That's, I'm happy for you, Rick. I mean, I saw that Etch-A-Sketch you were working on before. And yeah, this is pushing seven years old. So, well, the good thing, Rick, about all this is we're doing, you know, our our video chat here. You I don't, don't look any better. Hey, I have been walking for my online PE credit course, 
which is digital walking. So I'm trying to lose some weight, but I don't think that's helping. Man, digital walking <laughs> sounds yeah. like a dream class. Yeah, it is. You just walk and you just do the assignments in the book and that's it. It's pretty easy. So That might be the easiest class in the history of classes. Yeah. <clears throat> are are you actually doing the walking? Yeah, we have to. It's through an app we download and then we uh do a screenshot of the three times we walk during the week. So you didn't just like attach your uh your phone to your cat's ass or something and let her outside. <laughs> no. <laughs> No way. Okay. No, I wish, but it's probably what I would. It's easy A. So, okay. Well, hey, Rick. While I've got you, uh, vocal <laughs> and not comatose, um, you got a rundown for this this week's episode. I do, and it's been a while. Um, so we did the 2014 American supernatural psychological horror film. It follows. It was directed by David Robert Mitchell, um, and it stars uh, Mika Monroe as Jamie J. Height. She's been in some other films as well, but this was her breakthrough role in this movie. Also stars Kerr Gilchrist. He was Paul. He's the friend of J. Kelly and Yara. Uh, he was on uh, Showtime-directed comedy United States of Terror. Uh, he was in a Netflix series called Atypical. Uh, Danny Zavato was Greg. He was in Beneath It Follows and Don't Breathe, as well as in the romantic comedy Laggies. have no clue. Um, Jake Weary was Hugh slash Jeff Redmond. Uh, he's known as his role as Luke Snyder in the CBS soap opera As the World Turns and Vice Keeler in the NBC drama Chicago Fire. Uh, Olivia Licardi was known as Yara Davis. She's best known for Alice Woods and Sci-Fi's anthology series Channel Zero. And this movie came out on May 17, 2014. Um, it is 100 minutes long. It grossed 23.3 million at the box office on a budget of 1.3 million. And the poster for it is freaking awesome. I love the poster art for this movie. I really like the yeah. tagline, though. Um, it doesn't think, it doesn't feel, it doesn't give up. And yeah. that sounds to me like every sexual experience I've ever had. True. How did you know? You don't fucking know. Oh, you don't know what I know. Ooh. Oh. Man. Well, yeah, that's that's what we did. So, Speaking of crazy. sexual experiences, this yes, movie. Okay, yes. That, that, that's what this is all about. And what was the rating? It was rated <laughs> R, right? For, for okay, sure. Get this. For, for disturbing, violent, and sexual content, including language and graphic nudity. James, what's your favorite kind of nudity? Graphic. Busy thinking. <laughs> That's what I thought you'd say. 
So yeah, this thing was uh, directed by David Robert Mitchell, and like you said, it follows probably his best known work. Um, I don't yeah, think I he's got so. another. Yeah, I don't think he's got another horror film on his resume. He directed, I don't think he has uh, any. I, yeah, I don't know what else he has. Uh, he has Under the Silver Lake and The Myth of the American Sleepover. Neither of those are uh, classified as horror. So this is a, I, I don't want to say a one and done because he's still pretty pretty young guy, so he could dive back into it. But he's not really known for horror. This is his breakthrough and is what he's best known for. But um, so Micah Monroe as Jay. Let's talk about her for a second. Um, she's a California girl, best known for her roles in Independence Day Resurrection. Did anybody see Resurrection? No. I saw the first one and that nope. was it. Just saw the first one. Yeah, I like to pretend the first one's the only one that existed. I know th- I know there were a couple I others. It. You saw it? You damn right. Was so that good? good? Yeah. Okay. Okay, but that's that no was, was Paxton in it? Wait. Paxton? No. no it was P- Pullman. I was going to say, wasn't he dead by then? God. Yeah, he was pretty no. dead by then. Um, yeah. Pullman, but but it's funny when, when, well, it's not funny at all, but Bill Paxton, when he passed away, there were all these um, memes and, I guess, photos floating around of Bill Pullman saying R.I.P., almost like when uh, Nelson Mandela passed away and they were sharing all these pictures of Morgan Freeman. A lot, a lot of people get those two mixed up. People did that with Corey Feldman when Corey Haim died, too. That's terrible. Pretty terrible. Pretty terrible. Leave Corey alone. <laughs> yeah, please do. Uh, because if, if you don't leave Corey Feldman alone, he's not going to be in the next Friday the 13th movie, and I desperately need that. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a Michael while. Monroe, she was in The Guest. I never saw The Guest or The Fifth Wave. So this is my first film seeing Micah Monroe. But the cool thing is, like, she's the daughter of a kite surfer, whatever the fuck that is. And she was going to follow in those footsteps, even moved to the Dominican Republic to train when she was still in school. Um, so I would go as far to say as Micah Monroe is not a do-nothing bitch. Yeah, resident bad bitch. Yeah. I've been cat surfing over here. Have you, James? Yep. They call me Soul Surfer. Oh. Isn't that Bethany whatever? That's the Jane. Who got her arm bit off? Bethany Hamilton, I think. Hamilton, yes. Yeah. Wait, why are all three of t- you in the know on this? And I have no idea what you're talking about. I was terrified of that happening to me when I read stuff about her when I was younger. It's this girl, Billy, who when she was young, like 13, 14, maybe, maybe a little older, but um, she got bit by a shark and lost her arm and continued to like surf, pro- yeah. not professionally, but like competitively. Was there a movie about her? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. It's got uh, Dennis Quaid, uh, Helen Hunt. Um, Rick produced the movie. Yeah, I, I'd like to see it. 
Say that again, James. It's called Soul Surfer. Which is why I connected it. Not to make his comment. Silver Surfer. Oh no, I would I would definitely never confuse the two. I might. I don't watch any of it. But it does feel like I saw Soul Surfer. Don't know when, but it feels like I did. But yeah, we got uh, Keir Gilchrist as Paul. He's a British actor who's had roles in uh, It's Kind of a Funny Story, the 2007 Dead Silence. And if you remember that Rain Wilson Dead flick. Silence. Oh, yeah, Dead Silence is fantastic. Silence. That movie yeah, scares I'd... the shit out of me. Love that movie. It's so underrated. If, if it was released today, it would it would do as well as the Conjuring series did and all those, I think. It was released well, at a bad time. But well, when was it? well 2007 was that a bad time for horror? It I wasn't that it wasn't a good time for that type of horror. Okay. Well, there was never a good was, time for the Rain Wilson flick The Rocker and that was another flick that he was in. Oh, that movie did suck. Yeah. What's it called? Yeah. What? The Rocker. Uh, he kind of looks like you it. in the movie, Rick, honestly. Um the rocker, interesting. Yeah, is he in a rocker. rocking chair the whole movie? Uh, yeah. No. Uh, he well, yes, he is, and he plays a drum kit out of that rocking chair. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Billy. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, two thousand eight. I I remember seeing it. I never watched it. But yeah, you, yeah, people expected a lot out of Rain Wilson. You know, with the same from The Office, and then that movie just sucked ass. But. uh yeah, Keir actually won Best Actor at the 2013 Williamsburg Independent Film Festival for Seasick Sailor, um, which described my first three years in the Navy. But mm-hmm. yeah, so he's uh, he's got some some skills there too. So these are two pretty cool people uh, in starring roles. And then you've got Olivia Lucardi as uh, Yara. She's a New York gal, uh, actress, producer. Um. She had acting roles in Money Monster, Person to Person, uh, Go Don't Go, which she also had production work in. Um, and speaking of producing, she's currently involved in the production of the show The Thing About Pam. Uh, Casey, I feel like you've probably seen this. Um, it's a true crime story about the murder of uh, Betsy Faria back in 2011. I have not seen this. Yeah, The Thing About Pam. Hmm. Um but, you know, before we get on to the next segment, one thing I did want to bring up about It Follows is the fact that the musical score is not too bad. I like the music from It Follows. I kind of Yeah, I like a, the music a lot. Does it give you like a Stranger Things kind of vibe or like even goes back to Blood Rage at times? Kind of got the similar Yeah, it was a very, very 80s, 80s horror scent to me yeah so disaster piece recorded the score for this film um because the director david robert mitchell was a big fan of the video game fez which uh dropped in 2012 and of course disaster piece did the music for that game as well so the next thing that we've got to do we haven't done this in a while guys we've got to play a round of crack the case I think by now everybody's got the gist of what Crack the Case is all about. So I don't really need to go over the rules. So let's go ahead and get into the case. What what say you? You also like music from Final Fantasy VII, Bill. 
Okay, you know what, James? Well, since you brought this up, I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all about the mishaps. And I, did I tell you about this, James? I, I, don't, I think I did. I've got something to say. I'm sure you do, James. I'm, well, do, you want, do you want to say it after or before what I say? I want to say this before. By all means. Because Rick is on a health kick. And I've been doing something unhealthy. Oh. So, you know how you can get a box of oatmeal cream pies? <laughs> I'm I'm aware of that process. All right. Well, I got me a box of oatmeal cream pies, and mm. I take them apart like a Oreo cookie. Okay, like an open-faced cream pie sandwich. And then I... I take my knife and I double up on the cream filling. Hang on. You you eat these things with a knife? You make a double decker. Yeah. And uh. then I put the, uh, I, so I got one side of cream. Then I got another side of cream. And if they don't come off all the way, I scrape the cream off the other ones and just put it together. So it's okay. double cream in the oatmeal cream pie. And then I eat the two oatmeal cookies that I scraped all the icing off of. I eat them first, and then I enjoy my super oatmeal cream pie. Okay. Okay. I'm glad you called uh, it a super. Yeah, I'm glad you did that. Well, I've done this I'm, last week. I've done this last week with the small ones. I went to the grocery store today and got the big ones. So part of the process, yeah. I'm going to make a ultimate super cream pie cookie probably tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, James, Big, Big Debra is loving you. <laughs> Big Debra, yeah, I love Big <laughs> Debra. <laughs> James, is there any way that you could snap a picture of that before you uh, before you consume it, before you enjoy that? In the meantime, yeah, because I'm I'm not epic. really familiar. I'm not really familiar with what you're doing, so let me just Google cream pie real quick. Google. Oh, no. No, Um, Let me back out of that. Google Double Decker. Do that. Rick, has anybody ever given you an Upper Decker? (laughs) No comment. No? Okay, well, I'm I'm just going to tell you what an Upper Decker is. Like, when when somebody doesn't like you... um, And and this is uh, something that was done probably regularly in our high school years. An upper decker is when, say, you're at somebody's house, you don't really like them. You go to their bathroom and you take the the back part off, like the the lid from the back part of the toilet. And uh, you just squash one off in in that tank. And um, you just return it to its factory position. And every time they, uh, they flush it, it's... They're just going to get a bunch of brown water until it's all gone. I've never, I've never, we never did that in high school at all. Okay. Okay. It, classic. It, 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 other things. it is classic, James. You know, Rick, I don't think Memphis is as hard as you say it is. Uh, if you Rick weren't up just, decking people. Rick didn't go to high school in Memphis. I lived there for seven years, Bill. I didn't go to high school there. Oh, did you not? No. He went to high okay, school well, here with Kesha. Well, your yeah. preschool wasn't as hard as you said it was. 
my preschool got mad at me because I covered because I colored my banana purple instead of yellow. So because you thought it was a, a picture of your penis when you squeeze it, right? <laughs> so it's purple. <laughs> no. Okay. Oh my god. Well, guys, uh, while uh, we were off on our little <laughs> two-week hiatus, um, I had um, bought some tickets to the Nashville Symphony to listen to them play the soundtrack to the Final Fantasy VII Remake. And first of all, I was very stoked for this. Thinking, A, they're going to play like the number one track off of that soundtrack, which would be the Airbuster theme. If you haven't found that, look up the Airbuster theme. I know James wasn't impressed with it, but, you know, James shits on everything. But we get there, and like, l- let me preface with the fact that I'm vaccinated, and I, whatever, I support your decisions to do whatever the fuck you want to do. But I'm vaccinated, as is my family, and we go... And we get in line to go in. It's freezing. It's cold as balls outside. We get in line and the guy says, Okay, guys, we're just checking for vaccination cards and IDs. Uh, it's kind of like the Chris Farley from uh, Wayne's World. Just go check your cards. So I get up there and the guy in front of me doesn't have his card with him either. And so the guy tells him, Yeah, just go around the building and then walk to the far double doors and you can get tested. All right, bro. I'm like, okay, cool. So, hey, give me those directions you just gave that guy. So I'll follow him. I go, and we're going to get tested. Now, keep in mind, this is probably 10 minutes before the show starts um, because we had trouble finding parking. Um, Well, long story short, it cost me $50 extra per, um, per per rapid test. I can't even like give my insurance information. So basically, and of course, you know, my, my sister's son went with us as well. Um, but I end up paying like 200 bucks more than the 400 I'd already spent on the tickets. So I just paid 600 bucks for the Nashville symphony to not play the Airbuster theme. That's crazy. Damn. You know what? Yeah, but hey, it was a really good show. It was a really good show. How do you know that they didn't play the Airbuster thing while you're out there trying to get all your COVID tests took? Well, I'm glad you asked that, James, because there's a little monitor outside in every in every hallway where you can see what they're playing, and they kind of went in order of you know, what, what happens on the game sort of, they do jump back and forth a little bit in the middle, um, just to make things, I guess, kind of make sense. But they, that first 10 minutes is all about the, the opening theme where you see, uh, if you're familiar with the game at all, where you see cloud and company on, on the train as they're coming into the, the first reactor. But either way, it, it was a good night. I'll be honest, but I don't know that, I can really say that the parking fiasco to the National Symphony was quite as bad as the parking fiasco going to see SmackDown. James, we had quite a time, son. What was the fiasco at SmackDown with parking? Oh, it was just impossible to find parking. 
we we drove all over this parking garage and couldn't find anything. And Where'd then, you park? Well, in the garage, finally, but we ended up like doing so much of a circle that we got kind of not really lost in the garage, but we ended up about to go out the exit and had to back up all the way. Like, I don't know how many feet, probably 150 feet. Um, just to, like pull into another place. We finally found a place, but it's, it's less, it's less dramatic a story than the final fantasy story. But living it was, Oh, it was shitty. It was yeah, parking shitty. is bad. Bad on there. Yes, Say that again, James. You just had to have been there. That's, yeah. And I, I hate telling a story like that. You just had to be there. But in this one, you just had to be there. And I would have felt sorry for anyone who was there. And that's me. I felt sorry for myself. But let's jump into this case, guys. Crack the case. Back again. Check it, direct it. Let's begin. This one is called Soul Food, and the spelling of soul is S-E-O-U-L, as in Seoul, Korea. A woman is found dead on the streets of Seoul, the South Korean capital. Beside her lies a basket. Who killed the woman? How? And why? You know the format of the questions you've got to ask, so let's kick it off with Final Girl Casey. Um, did someone steal something out of her basket? Yes and no. Mm. Maniac? Okay. Let's go with you, number two, because you are a big number um, two. Was she... Um, was she on the ground? Was she by herself? Which of those questions would you like me to answer? Like, let, let me rephrase it. Was it just her in the basket on the ground? Yes. Wait. No, it was not just her in the basket. No, it was not just her in the basket on the ground. Godfather? Wait a minute. So she was inside the basket? <laughs> no. Casey, your question. Um, uh, is her location being in Seoul relevant to her death? Yes, it is relevant. Pickle Rick. Was there an item in the basket next to her? Yes. JB? Did the item in the basket kill her? Yes. Casey? Was she killed via blunt force trauma? She was not killed via blunt force trauma. Rick? Was she killed from a illegal substance? It was not an illegal substance that killed her. James? 
Was it a fall that killed her? It was also not a fall that killed her. Now, three rounds are in the book, so let's go with clue number one. The woman was betrayed by someone she knew. The woman was betrayed by... Yeah. The woman was betrayed by someone she knew. Casey, your line of question. Was she strangled? She was not strangled. Although How the I would fuck love to did this girl her. die? I know. That's part of it. Ricky? Was she poisoned? She was poisoned. She was poisoned. And I hate, I hate this answer because somebody's going to have a problem at the end. And it'll probably be James, Mr. Outdoorsy. Um who complains about me saying yes here, but I'm going to say, yes, she was poisoned. James, your question. Uh, Did she, uh, fall out of a hot air balloon? I can see how you would have thought that. I can definitely see how you would have thought that. But I'm going to go ahead and just say, no, this doesn't have any fucking thing to do with a hot air balloon, James. Nothing at all. Last round before the uh, the second clue comes out. Casey, your question. Um, was she poisoned by her significant other? She was not poisoned by her significant other. Ricky. Not Ricky as her significant uh, other. This is, no, she was not poisoned by her significant other, period. Ricky, what, your question. Was she was she poisoned by somebody she, like, she knew? She was poisoned by someone she knew. James? Uh, was she poisoned by her boyfriend? I already asked that. Her husband. I do not know this lady's marital status, as it is irrelevant, but it was not the boyfriend slash husband slash significant other who poisoned her. So that is the uh, second round of that one. The next clue is too late. Something in the basket struck the woman as odd. And quotations are around the word struck. Too late. Something in the basket struck the woman as odd. Casey? When you say she was poisoned and you kind of clarify that it's like a technical poisoning, was she given food that she's allergic to? Kind of like we were talking about earlier. No, no food in this case, Rick. Okay. She was not. Was she like a scallops? Was she, (laughs) was she a, like a younger woman, older woman? Oh, yeah. She had huge tits, too, Rick. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> nice. You wouldn't believe it. That is irrelevant. 
<laughs> Jables? Nice. There's a <laughs> spike in my basket. Somebody put a snake in her basket, Bill. Hello? You dirty. <laughs> Hang on, you rat soup eating bastard. <laughs> I am mulling this over. I know it's right, Bill. Well, the mystery is who killed the woman, how, and why. There's your how. Uh, I don't yes. know. Uh, a venomous she, snake. Soup-eating turd. <laughs> a, a venomous snake was placed in her basket. Damn, that dude. Is, that, is the, <laughs> that is the how. Uh, since you got that, um, I, we haven't really been doing the solving thing. Um, try to solve the whole thing. Stab in the dark, I guess. The the who and the why. <laughs> who? Hmm. So you know who did it? I do know who did it. And it wasn't her boyfriend. Thank James. Thank. Where was she at? Soul Azteca. <laughs> We've been there before, Bill. We have been to Sol Azteca. Um, to, to answer your question, no, she was not it, at Sol Azteca, which is a wonderful Mexican restaurant here in Franklin, Kentucky. Big props to y'all. Uh, Casey, your question. Sol Azteca. <sighs> Sorry, I'm thinking. Um, Does the clue part saying too late signify something like that we have to guess? Um, not anymore. Okay. I think that, yeah, I think that part is, uh, what was explained by the, the snake. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. It was just, it was too late that she noticed the snake, right? Rick, your question. Um, was... Was the basket hers? Yes, the basket is hers. Would you like to try to solve? No. Godfather? Okay, stop the cocaine. Mm. Or just go ahead and take it. It's cool. Let's see here, Bill... It's right on the tip of your tongue. Yeah. Who did it? Who the fuck did it? Was somebody mad at her? Was somebody mad, Bill? Is it the reason? Yes. Yes, someone was angry 
at her. They don't just go around poisoning people willy-nilly over in Seoul, Korea. You gotta have a good reason to poison somebody there. Would you like to solve? Did somebody not like her uh well, this doesn't sound like a solve. Well, okay, I, I guess it could be if you're trying to guess the why. Oh, my God. Who killed her? How and why? We've got the how. Was there a Ding Dang and Ping Wang? There absolutely was not. Casey, your question. You know what that means. Was she poisoned by someone who worked at a zoo? It a was. Zoo. N- it was <laughs> a dentist. It was not a zoo. Ain't no zoos in Thailand. It's in South Korea, and there probably are. There are de- there there are probably zoos everywhere. James. Yeah. They don't have zoos in Costa Rica. I feel like that can't be true. It is. Google it. Zoos are zoos are outlawed in Costa Rica. They're illegal. Oh, okay. It's in Costa Rica. Costa Rica is a zoo. Have you been to like the? You haven't been, but their flora and fauna is amazing. Amazing. Like they got some of the yeah, Central America awesome rocks. animals there. Yes, it does. Yeah, someone in a zoo. I don't mean like zoo as in like a madhouse. I mean like they have a huge variety of wildlife there that you might not even think that such a small place would have. But yeah, they they've got beautiful stuff there. Um, Rick, your question. So you're saying it's just a zoo down there? I'm just saying that they've got. A Where lot of was stuff. this at? Naturally, you don't have to close them in. Venezuela has a lot of zoos. They are not illegal. Venezuela? It's probably illegal there. This is Brazil! (laughs) Rick, your question. Before you lie about zoos from another country. Was she... (laughs) You know there's no zoos in Tennessee, right? It's illegal. Only aquariums. Was she found, uh, when she was found dead, was it nighttime or daytime? Rephrase your question. When she was found dead, was it night or day? He can't answer that That, with a yes, no, maybe, whatever. You just took out the word time. Was it night? Was it night or day? (laughs) Oh, good God. Yes, it was night or day when they found her. James, your question. Was it nighttime when they found her? Irrelevant. I know. All right, it. so since, so since uh, we've, we've run out of clues, I'm going to go ahead and give my own, I guess. Um, this lady had a routine that she followed every day. Or every week, rather. I thought she was a tourist. She's not a tourist. Oh. In Venezuela? South Korea. No. Brazil. South Korea. 
This is Brazil. This lady had a routine she followed every Tuesday. Casey, your question. Show of hands, how many listeners are Brazilian? (laughs) At least one. Gabriela Marines, thank you for listening all these times. You're you're a beautiful person. We love you, and we thank you. Uh, Gabriela Marine. From Busio. I think she's from Busios. Busios Brazil, which is is Rio de Janeiro. Brazilian Bill. Muito obrigado. Go ahead. I would like a large burrito, please. They don't eat burritos in Brazil. Yes. There are no burritos in Brazil. They're Portuguese. It's a totally different culture. They're illegal Brazilian burritos. (laughs) Let's get this this illegal question out of Casey now. (laughs) Um, That was irrelevant. I'm about to, when I get back to my phone, I'm going to look up if they got burritos in Brazil. Um, was she like a delivery person? She was not a delivery person. Pickle Rick. Uh, was she going to, did she go to like the hairdresser every Tuesday? It was not the hairdresser. James. Was she getting her nails done, Bill? It was also not a nail salon where she was going. Uh, Another clue. Many things divide people and their ways of thinking in every country. This one may be the most, this method may be the most polarizing. Just think, what is the most polarizing way of thinking in most every country you've ever heard of? It would be your what beliefs. I am polarized. You are a polar bear, James. There's no polar bears in Brazil. (laughs) Nor are there gray elephants. In Denmark. Yeah, there he is. There's elephants in Brazil. They got everything. Bill, you know what's in Brazil? Bill. I bet I know. What's in Brazil? Dog man. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, it turns out I was wrong. <laughs> well, you were probably really close. Probably they come really up close. through Brazil, Bill. The dog man do. And walk into... Mexico. No. How do they do that without papers? Come out of Brazil. Because they're dog men, Bill. They fucking hide and shit. Oh. Through Mexico, up through Kentucky, or Texas, through Louisiana, into Alabama, up through Tennessee, into Kentucky. (laughs) Land between the lakes. Listen. Suck it. Who (laughs) on earth starts off in Brazil and says, you know where I want to go? Kentucky. Well, Bill, they migrate, okay? They have a migrating pattern, just like a bird does. Okay. Okay, I stand corrected. I stand corrected. But you guys have still not answered my question. This polarizing thought process, 
what divides people in any given country the most? Their what beliefs and or politics. Okay, there you go. All right, let's let's go down that route. Casey, let's start the question with you. Does it have something to do that it was South Korea? Um, I She's don't know. Well, I think Casey's asking uh, South Korea as opposed to North Korea. The ship are on the line, Bill, that line that separates them? I don't think so, but you're going in the right direction. And she stepped over the line. Casey, would you like to try to solve? Um... Was she a politician? I guess that's not a solve. Um, yes. Uh, well, okay. We're going to give you the question anyway. Like she is a politician in the form of being part of the ruling regime. That's a politician. Yeah. Well, not always. Um, like royalty is not necessarily politicians. They're just part of royalty. Um, but yes, I mean, in, in this case. So she was assassinated. Basically assassinated, yes. Is there by a constituent? Mm-hmm. Um, Do they have king? I don't know what uh, Korea has. I think they do have. Uh, Emperor. Do, do they have emperor? I know they have emperors emperor. in China. I don't know. They what have like a part. Uh, they're like a prime minister. Do we have anybody listening in China? Not Korea. in China. But uh, while while we're on it, hey, we we need to give a shout out to our listeners in India. Listen, like number two behind the United States of America on our listenership is India, and they're coming from everywhere in uh, New Delhi. Um, uh, New Delhi. That's right. That's how you say it, James. You don't say it like Indiana Jones. New Delhi. No. Listen, New Delhi. If you're going to have listeners from a, a certain region, you got to learn about those people because Oy. they are giving us. Uh, a listening audience. Somebody uh, in, in India binged about 50 episodes over the last week, and we thank you very much. Now, back to the lecture and at hand. We're talking about. They do. Know so what she we're was about. a politician, and I think she was poisoned by one of her like upset constituents. There's a politician that listens in India. Yeah, for sure. The killer was a Korean political activist who worked as a meat vendor in the local market. His victim was a member of the ruling regime who bought snake meat for dinner each Tuesday. It was easy yeah. for the vendor to plan her murder by performing a sneaky snake switcheroo. When the woman arrived at the vendor's booth that Tuesday, he slipped a sedated, highly venomous cobra into her shopping basket instead of the non-poisonous snake he usually sold her. Halfway home, the snake awakened and bit the unsuspecting woman, poisoning her to death almost instantly. The, pol the police found the cobra wormed the story out of the vendor, and arrested him. Casey, congratulations. Congratulations. You. You're welcome. That's the same so thing happened. COVID-19, Bill. Pretty much. But, you know, I was afraid that James was going to chime in on that one when I said yes to the poisonous thing because I thought he was going to be one of those people who wanted to, I guess, um, what's the word I'm trying to 
to come up with like I guess needle the thread with more accurate descriptions because snakes aren't poisonous they're venomous so I was snakes aren't of, poisonous well snakes aren't poisonous they're venomous uh, something poisonous might be a certain kind of mushroom if, if well, you poison, eat it you die the venom is poison Bill. yeah but it's a different classification like if you eat that snake, you're not going to die of po- of being poisoned. If you eat a certain mushroom, you might die because of, you know being poisoned. If a snake if bites you, eat a you puff, a puff of fish. well, it sounds like you tried. Poisonous like, means you ingested it, right? If something's poisonous, you die if it eat, if you eat it. If something's venomous, poisonous you die salt. if it bites you. I figured an outdoorsy individual like you, James, would know the difference. I'm outdoorsy, that's why I know. Yeah, I'm a city boy, not Oh, yeah, the Memphis maniac over here is all city boy. Shut up, Rick. We know you're a hillbilly at heart. Me too. Hillbilly in training, yes. H-I-T. So, guys. Rick, man, eating all the fucking mushrooms. (laughs) (laughs) I'll go to Orange Mound. Yeah, stay away from Orange there. Mound. I've been there before, Bill. I know you have, James. You've been everywhere, man. That's right. I'm like uh, Johnny Cage. There you go. Well, guys, I guess we might as well get into this film. It follows. Um, you know, I'm having a time on this pod on this podcast. <laughs> well, James. I, I'm, I'm fully confident that you watched this film. Yes, I did, Bill. Yeah, because we, we talked about it a little bit. Uh, of course, um, I made sure that we saved everything for the podcast. But you remind at, every damn day. <laughs> yeah, I might have. Um, unintentionally. Completely unintentional. But what, let's talk about... I, I guess this film takes place in kind of a small. Well, mm. So it takes place it in what, like a small Detroit. kind of town? Is it Detroit? Well, Orange Mound. I can't understand a damn word you're saying. I said Orange Mound, Bill. It didn't take place in Orange Mound. I can tell you that. I know it did. It's in, in Detroit, case he says isn't Detroit. Oh, Rock City, huh? Yeah, Detroit Rock City, but hey, it, it's almost it's like it took place in a in a suburb of of Detroit because everything looks kind of small townish. Like, but but we know this the story revolves around some young adults, uh, maybe what late teens. Kevin Nash. Mm. Jay goes on a date with someone who's twenty one, so you figure she's within a couple of years of that age, probably. Okay, I was thinking like she's uh, in college. So okay. Okay. see that—that's my question. I was thinking high school, but I didn't really pay that attention. Well, I didn't know. I mean, they, they, this yeah, I didn't know. They, I didn't know ca- if they're adults, if they're consenting adults or not. Well, she was in college, I think. So okay, so that 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 sounds about right. Then you know, young adults, uh, late teens, and <laughs> eighteen, nineteen. Um, but yeah, let's jump to the characters. Jay, who's our main character, um can't remember her um her full name but jay for short um we meet hugh who's jay's boyfriend for a 
a very short time in the film. There's Paul, who's uh, Jay's friend who obviously still wants it. And Greg. And and of course there's Greg, who's kind of, I don't know, he, he seemed kind of bleh to me. I don't know. What does that mean? I, I don't know. I can only feel it. I can't explain it. Like he just gave you the ick? He just gave me the ick, man. Yeah. But, but yeah, this is a, a, a quiet suburban town part of uh, Detroit, I guess. Uh, it doesn't mean it's going to stay quiet. Um, hell, you know, ha- Halloween was set in a small, quiet suburban town, right? True. Yes. All kinds of crazy shit happens in small suburban towns. They sure as hell do. They sure as hell do. Um, but, you know, the the first thing that we get in this opening, and the opening has always been, or at least for the most part, really important to most of the movies that we have reviewed here on Slashers and Screamers. But this time around, we get a girl running from her house where her dad doesn't even know what's happening. So automatically we're thinking, well, shit, if if dad doesn't know what's going on, I sure shit don't, don't know what's going on. But then she runs back in, apparently grabs the car keys, and drives away in a panic. She goes to a beach. A car approaches as she's telling her parents she loves them, which if your kid runs out of the house telling you that, you know, they, they love you, good shit's not about to happen. Um, and then we cut to a gruesome shot of the same girl lying dead with her leg bent in a way that shouldn't be. And so this opening has at the very least got me intrigued, if not invested. Like, this is a great buildup of suspense. I agree. Um, I I picked this movie, um, and part of the reason I picked this movie is because it was on my mind. I follow a Twitter page that any of our horror-loving listeners should wa- should follow. It's Best Horror Deaths. And it'll show just like, you know, a minute or two clip from different movies where characters die, which it can be a little spoilery. So, like, have that in mind. But they showed the opening sequence to this movie up to the part where you see her leg bent the wrong way. Like, and she's clearly dead. And I was like, shit, that's a really good movie. I haven't watched that one in a while. And it prompted me to select it for this. Well, without giving anything away yet, because we, you know, we've got a build up to to work up to. I enjoyed this movie. I, I enjoyed it for what it was. I, I love the music. Um, Had you an seen unknown it cast. Then? Say that again. Had you seen it before? I had not. I had seen. Oh, okay. I had seen it floating around, and I never just for whatever reason, never clicked on it. It was always something that was on my list, stayed on my list, and just never got watched. But what triggers these events, I guess we don't realize that it is the triggering event until it's you know, too late. It's already happened. But uh, Jay and her boyfriend, Hugh, have sex in his car while they're on their date. Okay, and we we don't know that this is the changing point at the time it's happening. Like we have an idea because we know it's the you know the synopsis of the film. Um, if you know anything about the film, you probably already know that something's getting passed through 
the act of sex. And I guess the, the proper way to talk about it is with the buildup. Um, I guess Jay and he are going to, to catch a flick. Um, and they're playing a, a game called the trade game. I don't think I've ever played this game. Um, it's not, I mean, I, I like to people watch and make observations. Um, maybe even give a nickname here or there. Um, actually, I probably know more people who have a nickname rather than their real names. I was just thinking that your use of maybe with nicknames is some bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's a problem I have. Um, not one that I'm seeing, you know, seeking counsel for, but they're playing this trade game where basically, well, Casey, can you explain the trade game? Yeah, so as Jay describes it, she says it's a people-watching game, and basically you're with someone else, you pick someone in the area that you're in to trade lives with. Mentally, you think this, like hold it in your brain. And the other person has... I spy kind of a situation. Correct. The other person has two shots to guess who you pick and why. This game seems pretty hard. I've never heard of this ever. Yeah, me neither. It seems simple, but I mean, if you're in a room full of people, you look around and I have to guess who you're thinking. Yeah, low percentage, probably hard to win, but uh, I guess that's what makes it fun. Hmm? Well, either way, uh, the boyfriend, uh, Hugh, asks if, uh, they're, they're already in the theater at this point, but he asks Jay if her pick is the little girl in the yellow dress. Which Jay never sees, nor do we. We didn't see it, right? I'm concerned that he sees it. Yeah, I'm concerned that he sees it because I don't see anything. Then I start worrying about my own eyesight because there are a couple (laughs) of scenes where somebody points out something and I'm looking on the screen like, where the fuck is this? Am I not supposed to see it? Because there are times where you're led to believe that only one person can see something and you're wondering, am I supposed to see this? So you're just scouring the screen like a Where's Waldo kind of a thing. But Hugh suddenly wants to leave the theater mysteriously. Doesn't say why. Well, he does say that he's sick. Uh, But like, we're thinking, well, what's he afraid of at this point? Right? What is there? There's a reason he wants to leave. He says it's not some girl that he used to date. Um, I think that's something that Jay asked him, but this leads up to, um, sex in the backseat of the car. Again. Oh yeah. Completely romantic. Um, Panicked leaving the movie theater transposed immediately to not great looking sex in the car. Yeah. Nothing gets me bricked up quite like being deathly afraid of something. But the the craziest part of this, though, is something we didn't really see coming. And this is a big, I, I, I guess, a, a twist of sorts. But Hugh chloroforms Jay, I guess it's chloroform, when she's in her post-sex frame of, frame of mind. Uh, like, I don't know what that's like for a woman. But for a man, like, nothing matters at the moment. We'll agree to anything. Guys, put on earmuffs after sex, okay? She's going to ask you something. And you're going to agree to it. And it's never good. Like, what are we? So anyway, he chloroforms her and sticks her in a chair in her underwear. Couldn't even get her dressed. And it's cool. He apologizes, right? So 
whatever. I, I don't think that negates. Does that not negate it? Okay. <laughs> no, that okay. doesn't um, trade for trade work out. And and if you're worried, if you haven't seen this and you're worried about like some kind of uh, something that you wouldn't normally want to see on screen, it's not like that. It was, uh, you know, a consensual sex scene that followed with chloroforming not to further that that act. This was a whole different thing because Hugh knows something that we don't know until he, expl- until he explains it. Um, and, and Okay, I, I guess we need to, to explain the what Hugh is explaining to Jay. So, Casey, take that away. I'm too mad. <laughs> okay, so what we learn is that Hugh has this problem where he's being followed. He reveals that this problem was set upon him via having sex with a girl who was having the same issue. So basically she had sex with him and passed the entity that was following her onto him. Now he tells Jay, now that I've had sex with you, it's going to pass to you and start following you. So So basically it's this sexually transmitted entity hunting you down to kill you. And I'm glad you use that verbiage, sexually transmitted entity, because, you know, we got the underlying theme and I don't want to get too far ahead here, but like the, the name of this film is It Follows. And it, as it is said in the film, seemingly refers to sexually transmitted diseases personified. Like it comes in the forms of other people. It works slowly, and of course, once you have sex with someone else, you no longer have it. All three rules are true with STDs. Am I right, guys? I hope our listeners don't listen to things you say. I can go ahead and tell you right now that you should never, ever listen to anything that I say. Unless I'm the... Uh, the, the, the Crack the case moderator. Then I'm 100% truthful. Then we have to. Then you have to. And I only accept questions where it's a yes or no thing. So we get an example of what Hugh's talking about right there. And it's like with this completely naked lady walking really slowly toward Jay, almost like in a trance, I guess. Um, But Jay's in the chair and almost this it's an entity, but we see it as a, as a person almost gets to Jay before Hugh wheels her out of there. But then later on when Jay's in class and she sees this old lady walking across the campus lawn towards her, it's a different lady altogether. So like, this is the part that I guess I was confused at the beginning. So I wanted to kind of wait and see what, you know, what unfolded, but it begs the question, like in what form are these horrible monsters coming? Like, it almost feels like a Stephen King's It kind of thing, and it's probably, I'm probably thinking that because of the title, because It follows, um, but I did see it as a Stephen King's It kind of thing, where it comes in the form of your worst nightmare, but that's not necessarily the case here, but what, what is Jay, like, what is Jay horrified of? Like, other women? Well, Hugh says, he makes the point that sometimes it can show itself as people you know, and we do see that later down the line. We do, um, but to our knowledge, also, 
Mm -hmm. Just a fun fact that in this movie, when she's talking in class, reading the poem, the poem is the love song of jail for proof rock. And I have part of that poem tattooed on my back. And I was so excited when I saw this movie and that came up. Well, fun fact: get the rest of it. Whole just poem. like across your, it is very your, long. Your, uh, you're, you, you, I mean, you use your whole back. It's, it's that simple. It would have to. <laughs> like, if you want, like, do the little prologue on the back of your neck. <laughs> just continue down the legs if you need to. Um, but you know, in the build up of this, you know, we got a very close encounter in Paul's house. Um, and I feel like <laughs> I was thinking this whole time, if, if I was watching this with James, this would be the part where he would completely shit himself. And you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about here in a second, but this close encounter, there's a broken window in the kitchen, like no one there. Okay. So Paul, does, Paul and Jay do what you're supposed to do as a couple of people in a horror film they split up paul goes to call the police jay investigates the kitchen which is probably what she shouldn't have done and there's yet another naked lady slowly stalking jay titties out and everything and apparently unseen by others this is the part that uh i guess it further uh, unfolds a little bit more uh, as you go but paul and uh, I can't remember if it was Kelly or Annie. Um, they're right there, and they see nothing. And, like, if you don't believe me that they didn't see the naked lady in the kitchen, they sure didn't see the seven-foot monster in the hallway. Oh, my God. That scene, for me, is the biggest scare, the biggest, like, actual, like, jump scare of the movie. The biggest scare period, maybe even. To me, is the biggest scare because you don't see him. It's like the lighting in the hallway is so that you really only see a couple of feet behind. Uh, maybe it was Yara. I'm not sure. Um, in fact, I think it was Yara. But you don't see a you don't see more than a couple of feet behind her, and then all of a sudden, this monster just uh, uh, appears behind her. And I can tell you that I shit a brick when this mass of humanity walks up behind Yara. That man I is know- part is half of the tallest set of twins alive. So that's neat, but horrifying in this movie, truly terrifying, like worst nightmare status. Rick James, which one of you was the most scared of this part? I can't be alone. Yeah, Casey's a girl. She's scared of everything. Girls are scared of stuff. We're men. We're supposed yeah. to just be like, ah, fuck this. I'm not scared of shit. You no. guys are bitch babies. Such bitch babies. Did not scare me at all. I don't believe that, James. You get very scared. <laughs> I couldn't watch it, Bill. I couldn't watch it. He tells think... us this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I was scared, Bill. <laughs> <clears throat> this movie makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah well the guy the guy coming up on her man that that was the the first jump scare and it might have been the worst first and worst um but it, it was enough to 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 last me for the entirety of the movie and keep me engaged 
I like when it happens early. A la Insidious, the first Insidious movie. When, uh, you Ooh, see the, Insidious. Yeah, when, when you first see the, the red-faced guy um, standing over the, was was it a cradle or something? Uh, maybe not a cradle, I'm but like a baby bed. you like Insidious. <sighs> yeah, it's probably fair that you're surprised, because I don't usually like Super... Supernatural doesn't scare me. It's not one of those situations. I just... This is Supernatural. It is... But it's like... It's not ghosty enough for me. Even though there are entities there, I just don't see them as ghosts. I see them as like humans who are just under some kind of trance. And maybe I just didn't think about it hard enough. But this one seems less supernatural than those passing over into the other world type of supernatural flicks. That's just me, though. But with all this happening, um, you know, Jay and company track down Hugh, whose real name is Jeff, and he's living in his mom's basement or something. And the information they get from him leads to them kind of going off and being kind of away from everyone. Like there, I, there might have been some parts that I'm that I'm missing there, but I'm doing that on purpose because I do want you to go and catch this flick. Um, but they're just chilling at the lake, basically, and that's where the closest of encounters takes place, or at least up to this point. Like an actual physical attack, it happens this time, and these apparitions of Jay that others can't see. Well, they can definitely harm her friends. Um, Paul gets a slash to the gut, but he's okay. Greg seems to think he's being shot at, and after it's all over, um, you know, Jay's driving off in Greg's car, leaving everyone behind before she runs off in a fucking cornfield, leaving her in the hospital. But the scene that builds up to that, very stressful, um, very action-packed. You, you see fucking Gargantuan over there again. And you see this new guy who's like a little, kind of reminded me of Rick a little bit when he stuck his head in the door. But you, you see a, a variety of people. And the part that maybe might confuse the viewer, and this is a global thing, not necessarily just this scene, but globally in this movie, is how small details change on a whim. Like maybe you've got a young girl stalking you chasing you you run around a building and here comes the 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 entity behind you but this time it's not no longer the the young girl chasing you it's a it's a middle-aged woman well things change like that in, in this and it's almost like it's all a dream and that is what led me to believe that at the end of this film jay was just going to wake up in her bed or something like it had all been a nightmare But it didn't. It didn't happen that way. But am I am I wrong though? Everything in this film almost leads you to believe that it's a dream. Like there's two like things that just can't happen. And I'm not talking about the the entities and apparitions and you know taking physical action on the characters. I'm talking about things like how they're they're always wearing different layers of clothing, like it's a different season. But it's the same time frame. You got clothes like it's cold out, like fall weather clothing. And then you got one girl who's walking around in, you know, next to nothing at the beginning. And they never look like 
they're out of season. Like they're never shivering like, hey, I'm not wearing enough clothing or hey, it's damn hot out here. Why am I wearing so much clothing? It always seems like the clothing is just right for the weather, but the seasons are so far apart. And you got the cars. It looks like in some scenes, old cars, some scenes, new cars. And I guess, you know, you can write that off as, hey, some people own old cars. But it's just what I was thinking throughout the whole thing. Well, a lot of that was done deliberately to make the movie hard to identify, like, where it takes place. Because they don't say Detroit, um, but people in Detroit know it is, and they reference 8 Mile. So it's, like, hinted at that it's the Detroit area. But, um, like, we mostly see old cars, but then every once in a while we'll see a new one. Um, We see, you know, not a lot of technology as much but the girl has the e-reader that looks like a seashell and is very clearly like modern technology for 2014 like when they're there chilling on the couch yeah so the movie like i think makes it purposely difficult and apparently it did make it purposely difficult to really like lay down when it was where it was you know stuff like that so that's something that you notice that's accurate to their intention so that's good you know that's a cool thing yeah it was a cool thing they did but that is what led me to believe that it was all a dream and i was almost (laughs) to the point where i was telling myself i'm going to be disappointed if she wakes up in bed because it's such a stereotypical ending like this isn't you know new heart so there's no reason to end the movie waking up in bed and it was all a dream got to have better writing than that and they did they had they had really good writing here but you know once uh jay runs off in that cornfield he's in the hospital like this scene that i'm about to bring up kind of i don't want to say i'm confused because the whole movie is meant to confuse you a little bit but greg and jay have sex in jay's hospital bed and i really couldn't tell if it was consensual or not like there's no fight but she's also looking kind of dissociated, like, you know, like you do during some traumas. But however you identify the scene, this has got to mean that Greg's got it now, right? She, Greg has this entity. He took it from Jay by having sex with her. So he's the target now. I think, I, I think I'm getting this right. Um, but not long after this, Jay sees what she perceives to be Greg breaking into his own home. Correct me if I'm wrong about this because, man, it confused the fuck out of me. But Jay sees Greg, or what she perceives to be Greg, breaking into his own home. So, of course, she's pleading with him to open the door when she gets to the, you know, when she gets to the house. Um, she goes in through the window where she sees Greg's mom beating on his door. And Greg's... Neck undead mom looking all fine like maybe she needs to be the hammer in this film (laughs) probably probably yeah so greg opens the door and mom jumps the shit yeah yeah this whole sequence was confusing to me it was really confusing yeah so like obviously you knew something was up because he's walking around in his um thermal underwear right right so you know he's probably some kind of entity but he's not dead yet, so why is why is she seeing him? And then you start to think, well, he doesn't necessarily have to be dead, right? Right. Just have to know him. 
he appears as someone that she knows. So you think Greg's going to kill Greg. But when when Jay gets there, she doesn't see Greg. She sees Greg's mom. So now the apparition's changed. But Greg opens the door. Mom jumps the shit and kills him. I assumed that she'd killed him because that's just what's going on. They but show him dead. Like, yeah, after they, 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 and then they, they, they show uh, they show him walking out behind her behind Jay's vehicle, right? Yeah. But as as an apparition or as an entity. Also, just to our viewers, didn't really think about that scene when I selected this movie. Um, ended up determining that it's not as graphic as the content that we opted to avoid. Um, I don't know how you guys felt about it, but... Well, I'll tell you how I felt about it. Um, I didn't feel that it was like a non-consensual thing, which is what we want to avoid. I felt like there was a point where she was like, okay, I'm going to do this. Um, and then her dissociation kind of came in the, like, because of, you know what, there's no way I can enjoy this because I know what I'm passing on to him. Greg's mom. Sorry. I'm talking about Greg and Greg's mom. That part. Okay. I'm see my mind was on the hospital scene, the hospital bed. I don't think the Jay and Greg part is non-consensual. I think that she's just like got the guilt that she knows she's giving it to him. Right. That's basically what i you know meant to say but yeah the the mom and and greg thing um a little weird but yeah um when you realize that it's not mom it's you know the entity shocking hmm? definitely shocking as a sequence yeah th- there, there's some shock value there as well um which you know we're, we're not against shock we love shock but we also want to take care of our our listeners when, when at all possible. I mean, we've canceled, uh, or not canceled, but you know, changed movies at the last minute because of a scene that might have shown up that we didn't think would, you know, benefit anyone to, to watch. And uh, we'll do so going forward. But this one we deemed okay, uh, not as bad as it could have been. But you know, Jay like and I friends, spit- say that again. Like I spit on your grave level. Oh yeah, that that is definitely a film we would uh, never in a million no. years <laughs> watch on this or uh, review on this podcast. Um, I, I guess there's a, a level of comfortability for you know everybody. I can't tell you what you can and can't enjoy in a horror film. Uh, I just know that there's some scenes that, while e- even if I was okay with you know some of the scenes it's not something that I would feel good about saying, Hey, you need to watch this because basically that's what we do here. At the end of this, we decide, Hey, you know, I would suggest this movie to someone. Well, we're trusting that before you tune in here on slashers and screamers, that you have seen this film. And with that comes a responsibility for us to put out a film that we would want you to watch before tuning in. So, we do our best, and yeah, we, we might miss here and there, but I think we did okay on this one. But yeah, we've got uh, Jay and friends posting up nearby, I guess, at uh, some kind of civic center type of facility, and I, I guess this would be the climax of, 
of what's going on here. The Civic Center type of facility with a pool. Um, they set up this variety. This is a really good plan, by the way. I do like the plan. I, I like the thought going into it. They set up this variety of electrical appliances around the pool, and they plug them in. And you know what happens when those things fall in the water, right? Which, Electric shock. Absolutely. And I, I guess it's really smart if we know what's you know following Jay. Moves really slowly. You got to think. You lure it into the pool. Jay gets out quickly, pushing the appliances while the entity's still in the pool. Sounds like a... Uh, you know, a good plan with some sound logic. Well, in a wild sequence of events, in comes the follower. And this is one of those scenes I was talking about earlier when, like, I'm looking at the screen and I can't tell where the fuck it is. She's pointing at it. I'm like, okay, so she's pointing at something where we're not supposed to see it. No, there's an entity there. Like, there's an actual person on screen and I just can't fucking see him. But in comes the follower, like, tossing in all the appliances while Jay's in the pool, but there's no electrocution. Um, so I guess the plan didn't work. Um, so I'm thinking in this scene, if I'm one of those people, I'm fucking dead because my plan sucks. But, uh, you just got the, the follower hurling these lamps and toasters and who else knows, you know, who knows what, um, at Jay in the pool. is appearing as her dead dad. Yes. That's a big part that I did not catch. And I don't know if I was meant to catch that. What was, was the dad shown in a photo prior to this? And I was supposed yeah. to recognize him when I saw him? Yeah, they show him in, like, two photos. See, I didn't catch that until the photo was shown later, like, back at the house. Like, you know, after the fact. Right. But, you know, finally someone gets the idea to toss a sheet over his head. I feel like that's where James would come in. If it's us, if we're trying to protect Casey from this follower... <laughs> Because, yeah, she's got this entity um, from all of her uh, gallivanting around town. I would never. <laughs> oh, I would just keep it to myself. Um, I feel like James, <laughs> James would be the one to toss a sheet over the entity's head. But he probably wouldn't use a sheet. He'd probably, like, use Gojo and just uh, expect us to see it floating around there. But someone gets the, the idea. I, I can't remember. I, I lose track of some of the side characters here. They're not really side characters, but the minor characters. Um, but, you know, Paul is there pulling the trigger on this figure. Um, and into the pool goes, you know, the follower, uh, the entity. Uh, he grabs Jay and almost pulls her under. Um, but, you know, Paul's got those Godfather of Droll sharpshooting skills. Put one in his dome and Jay escapes. But God, what a wild scene this is. Oh, and, and, and like Casey, you know, said, and I didn't mention before, the apparition is Jay's dad. Like, what? I didn't catch it. I felt bad for not catching it. And that's why I brought up the question of whether it happened earlier in the film. I never well, and saw that's it. All she tells her sister that she doesn't want to tell her what it is, what it appears as. Right, right. She's just explaining. And that, that made sense. I guess hearing her reluctance to to explain who or what it is made me think that, okay, it's somebody. But because I missed the picture earlier, I don't know who it is. So I'm just going to roll with it. But, you know, after all this is done, and again, 
This is a wild scene. Uh, but after all that's done, like a good friend and lover, Paul decides to take on the burden of this curse. And he allows Jay to pass it on to him. But then, of course, he's, you know, this is kind of the the dark part of this. is he's, If it wasn't dark enough, because the tones in this film are completely dark, almost noir. Um, he's riding around in the, uh, in, I guess, the, I don't even call it the, the shady part of town later on. Looking for a lady of the night to, uh, so he can curse them himself. That's almost kind of, almost kind of shitty. It kind of further backs up the, the thought that, you know, sex workers in town are like a, a, a lesser, um, a lesser class of human. Like, hey, I'll get rid of it. I'll just go give it to a hooker. Kind of a shitty thought, but that's what happens here. And I guess that was the point. I guess that was the point, though, right? To kind of wake people up to the point that, hey, we're looking down on these people. And but that's what happens. And it it never shows Paul do anything like that. Um, It's kind of inferred, though, I think. Um, Yeah. During the end, when, uh, you know, in this tale of sexual deviance, seeing Paul and Jay walking down the sidewalk. Um, but she's on the wrong side of the sidewalk, by the way, but they're, uh, holding hands, huh? Solid plan, Bill. Solid plan. (laughs) James, if you had this, uh, this entity in you, who would you pass it off to? Try some hooker. (laughs) God, James. (laughs) I got a couple people in mind, but did, did you say something, Casey? Were you asking about the wrong side of the sidewalk statement? I am asking about exactly that. Okay. So, um, generally in, uh, I guess the rules of chivalry, um, when there's a male and female couple, you don't let the, the lady walk on the side of the sidewalk that is nearest the street or the road. Yeah. She's supposed to be on the left. Yeah. Well, if, if that is only Brazilian cultures, Bill. <laughs> Only in Brazilian culture is it allowed to yeah, that it all. Me. hold hold for information. <laughs> so basically, though, James, correct me if I'm wrong here, but if you're uh, walking with the lady on the inside and like nearest the road, you're basically saying she's for the streets. Oh God, I've never heard this before in my life. Now that phrase is obviously newer than the thought of this you know, I think that is uh it's pretty close I don't think it's true. well I can tell you that in, in Mexico that's a rule and it's a hard rule like people look at you funny if you do it um here it's more of like a just a whisper in you know somebody's ear when I look at him he's but no like people will physically move you hey man get on the inside there um it's uh the real deal and Basically, what I was explained was if you're walking with the lady on the inside towards the street or like close to the street, you're basically um, saying that she's for anybody, like you're trying to sell her or something. Um, So, yeah, the guy goes on the inside, the girl goes on um, the outside, and that's that. But, yeah, um, this is their version of living uh, happily ever after. 
since uh, Paul passed on that curse to a lady who already has it bad enough. Well, we see so. someone fuck them in the last scene where they're holding hands walking down the sidewalk, though. Do, do we? See, I miss that. We that's do. That's a really important part. So, really, the, the, the entity never stops following you, right? Is that what they're trying to uh, say? Or the sex worker got got. Because it does appear that once the person dies, it doubles back on the last person. Ah, so you want to give it to somebody who's going to have a long, healthy life, hopefully. A long, healthy, sexual, prowess-led life. Oh, yeah. Passing it far the fuck away from you. Because you figure what... That's my favorite song. What it appears is that if it passed, say, like, from you to me to Rick to James, whatever, if James died... Man, what a visual. Backwards. Well, that's kind of messed up. They got burritos in Brazil, Bill. Brazil nut burritos. Son of a bitch. Add toasted Brazilian nuts to your burritos for texture and buttery flavor. All right. Well, we're going to have to get Gabriella Marines on this uh, on this podcast to verify. If your Google machine is working right or if you're being hoodooed by technology hmm. yeah, so i took it as the woman he passed it to got got and now it's back to them or him specifically than her so like a final destination kind of a situation you escape kind it once you're you're not going to escape it once it circles back to you because the only way to get it passed quickly i would imagine would be if i told you hey I slept with you, you have this, you have to get rid of it. So to sit down and explain to every person it gets passed to what's happening so people want to pass it quicker. And hope that they believe you. That is right. fine, Bill. I don't think Greg yeah. believed. No, I, Greg did not believe it. And that may be why he didn't last as long. He was not... Vigilant. He wasn't. The, he he almost took it as a like a insanity driven drivel from from Jay, um, and again that 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 ultimately led to his demise. But you know what, James, you're right. You did blow my mind because I don't think of Brazil as a burrito eating country. Like they they oh have God. their whole their own cuisine. But you know what. I guess we got to get to our final thoughts on the movie anyway. Um, burritos, Bill. Good Lord. Oh, my Lord. Why can they not have a fucking burrito? They can, but it's not Brazilian cuisine, James. If We have burritos, but it's not American cuisine. I guess it is because yeah. Latin culture is American culture. But you know what I mean. It's not your traditional stuff that made its way out, you know, out east here. It's always been a part of Western culture. Because there's always been that Latin influence in the, you know, Texas, Arizona, um, New Mexico, California area. <laughs> Brazilians are too dumb to make a tortilla. Oh, see, don't put words in my mouth, James. I, I wouldn't say mouth. that. See? Well, you know what? This movie, if it did nothing else, had me looking in the background in every shot. Like, I, I never knew when someone was supposed to be there if they weren't. Like, 
But that's why I love that scene with Hugh slash Jeff when the girl approaches wearing the headphones and he's like, do you guys see her? And they're like, well, yeah. But the whole time I watched this movie, I kept expecting the ending to be Jay waking up in bed because his whole film unfolded like a fucking dream. There's the clothing and the cars. Of course, Casey straightened me out a little bit. But you couldn't pin anything down to a time frame. And I guess the fact that I am constantly guessing about these things. I didn't think I was going to like it as much as I did. And I'm pretty happy with this film. I'll give it a solid 7. And I would definitely suggest it to a consenting human who wants to be genuinely scared of a film. So, Rick, give me your final thoughts. Uh, I enjoyed it. I mean, I have it on DVD. I've watched it a couple times. Um, Yeah, I mean, for me, it's a six and a half out of ten. Oh, wait a minute, Rick. You're doing doing fractions now? I get it. Well, fine. Then six six out of ten, I guess. He rounds down. (laughs) Yeah, like five or above, you round up. I'm going to go with six. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's more it's more like psychological and suspenseful than like horror to me, but that's just my opinion. I mean, that is fair, but there are times that I'll defend something being called horror because if I was in that situation, it would be horrific. No, just no, think. yeah, I agree with that. I'm just saying there are parts of it, you know, that are just think about this, way. Rick. Someone has to sleep with us. Isn't that pretty horrific? Yeah, it's pretty scary. That is, there's no worse horror. If, if, if these, if these listeners haven't seen us, then they just don't understand. Nobody wants this. Nobody wants this. That's why we're so all gen- virgins to avoid the <laughs> onslaught. <laughs> information that we learned from it follows oh yeah my kids are adopted <laughs> nobody <laughs> no, nobody ever no nobody ever wanted that gosh okay <laughs> james give us your final thoughts on it follows I'm going to give it a five and nine sixty fourths on a scale of one to 10. Okay. I get the five James, but where are you getting the, the, the five, the nine, five or nine sixty fourths, the nine sixty fourths. The nine sixty fourths is for it. For the boot. Okay. Okay. This movie freaks me out, Bill. Uh, well, I'm very happy that it does. One thing I can't stand is somebody following me around. <laughs> you know, the worst part about this wasn't the monsters. It was just the fact that they were following me. That's all right. If I see one, if it starts following me, that's when I got trouble, Bill. Well, I'll, I'll take that in. He goes his way and I go my way. 
Like, we're all got right. No problem. <laughs> Casey, final girl, Casey. I need two things from you. One, I need your final thoughts on it follows, and then I would like to hear some critic reviews. No. Okay. Just kidding. I can do that. See y'all. Um, so that'll do it for this week. Okay, <laughs> I obviously pick this movie because I enjoy it. Um, I guess I could pick a movie that sucks, but I won't. Um, I picked this movie because I enjoyed it. Um, I think it's a premise that I've never seen anything like before. Um, it's got some solid scares to it and some really good performances in my opinion. Uh, the reviews, so it's a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, which maybe is one of the highest that we've done. Um, the review that I liked are, okay, a positive one is a methodical, unnerving, and surprisingly mean thriller. Mitchell perfectly frames and moves the camera to emphasize how vulnerable his characters are, and in so doing, maximizes the existential dread, which I think is a super good point. When we see people in the background, like, every person that I see in the background, I'm thinking, is that it? Is that the follower? So I liked that review for that reason. Uh, a negative review is so many people are being moved to think and feel things that this movie doesn't actually provide, which is usually a good thing. It just didn't happen for me. So basically pointing out like people are liking it, but not me though. Well, you know, I like the fact that it got such a high rating. I don't know what, I think this movie's on Shutter. I'm I'm curious to see like what different um different communities think about the same film. I need I need to look for that on Shutter. Yeah. If it's on Shutter. Yeah, cuz I'm curious because you know everybody wants to be a critic and when you have when you have groups of people isolated from other groups of people and you do that when you look at streaming services. You have Netflix you know, religious people, and then you have Hulu who uh, religious people. So, you know, the this, this same film can be, you know, given X number of stars on uh, maybe three stars on Netflix and four stars on on Hulu, and it's a world of difference. Uh, that one star can be, you know, that's the difference between a bunch of twos and a bunch of fours versus a bunch of threes and a bunch of fives. You know what I mean? So... It's just a thought, but guys, I guess we need to go ahead and sign out of here. But first, uh, we have got to look at what's coming up in two weeks because next week, of course, we've got the Super Bowl. We're not going to record on that night. So it'll be another two weeks before, uh, yeah, two weeks before we get back on here and deliver another Slashers and Screamers episode. But. In these two weeks, what I would like for you to do is dig up the film out of 1982 by director Amy Holden Jones. That's right. It is female directed. You wouldn't think so by the content of this movie, but we are going to be watching 
the Slumber Party Massacre. Getting sleazy, getting sexy, and getting very killy. What? I hope none of you have seen it. Good God. <laughs> James, don't complain about an all-girls slumber party, okay? This is a fun movie. I'm going to say that. It's a fun film. Rick has... Never mind. I'm not even going to say it. Rick does say it's a fun film, Bill. <laughs> well, we know what the that special means. edition DVD, so... Uh, here we go. I'm just saying, <laughs> making a statement. Good lord. <laughs> Get it on like, Amazon, y'all. It's a free country. Movie ever made on DVD. <laughs> I like how I do, every James. time I collect, I collect shit, James. <laughs> I like how every time uh, Casey calls Rick out for doing something that maybe the normal uh, individual would not do, like uh. Why did you uh, buy yourself a gift card just to buy this instead of just buying the the item? Rick will be like, because this is America, and then he'll drop a Hulk Hogan gif, <laughs> just strumming the hell yeah, out the of guitar. that guitar. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, Rick, you are a real American. I am <sighs> a real American. All right, I'll stop. Don't stop. Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> Good thing. One of the best theme songs, in my opinion. Anyway. Ed definitely gets the blood boiling. <laughs> well, guys. I'm a real American. Fight for us, right, American. <laughs> Close enough, guys. We'll see you in two weeks with the Slumber Party Massacre. <laughs> so for the Godfather of Droll, James, for the Memphis Maniac, Rick, for Final Girl, Casey, I am Billy Graves. This was the Slashers and Screamers podcast, and we will catch you in the game. You my fans! <laughs>